The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host uh, up on today's show. We are going to examine the best rivalries. Today is Wednesday, July 15th, by the way. Happy New Tax Day. Uh, we're going to examine the best rivalries with Brian Diardo uh, entering 2020, and then remember the best from the past as well. Uh, if you check out the feed, we also have a chat with Joel Corey. Uh, today is the deadline for franchise tag uh, deals to get done. Kind of crazy that they toss tax day and franchise tag day on the same, on the same day, but whatever. We'll have a reaction with the super friends, uh, after the deadline at 4.30 PM Eastern time. And of course we are on YouTube. There is not a, we need to create a specialized link for it because there's not one. YouTube is weird like that, but we have our own channel that is just pick six podcast. You won't be inundated with all that crap from CBS sports. It's just me. Uh, and of course, all the super friends and, and whatnot, which means you may not want to go there. But if you do, go check it out. It's uh, you can find it. Uh, I'll tweet it back out uh, basically every day, or check out at Pick Six Pod on Twitter. Also, something you should check out: the Big Cat is back. Tiger Woods is making his first PGA start since February, and he's doing it at the Memorial Tournament at historic Muirfield Village for the second time, for second week in a row. The PGA Tour will be at Muirfield. Uh, Jack Nicholas's course. This is Jack's tourney, and uh, the First Cut Golf Podcast has you covered with two, not one, two stacked preview shows and round-by-round recap pods as Tiger searches for career win number 83. Where will you be when Tiger wins his 83rd tournament? By the way, Tiger didn't miss his second cut until after he had 43 career wins. That is an insane stat. You can find the First Cup podcast and get nuggets like that uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you like to enjoy listening to podcasts. All right, Brian Diardo, what's going on, buddy? Not too much, Will. Thanks for having me. I watched uh, last week's show, and uh, you were with Jordan. You won't have to be jealous about me because I know you don't like uh, guys that come in with better beards. As you can see, <laughs> I have no beard, and I'm losing whatever's left of my red hair. So, no, nothing to be jealous about in terms of my hair, but yeah, it's good to be on the show. I'm not convinced that, uh, I've been convinced that my hair is going to stick around because my grandfather, my mom's dad had, had hair until the day he died. However, right. the current situation with schools where, wherein they plan to do one week in, two weeks out, um, has high, high levels of anxiety coursing through all the veins in my house right now. And it has <laughs> me extremely concerned about why stress level moving forward. So, um, you know what? I might just shave it all. Just go completely. Just, no, nah, I probably won't. It's too much of a pain, but I mean, at some point I will probably shave and I'll probably start losing my hair. If I had to, uh, if I had to be a fan of one of these teams that has these tough rivalries, I might be losing my hair too, because yeah. man, uh, the, the, the modern day NFL rivalries, not the same that they used to be, but they are, uh, they are quite fascinating and you, you've kind of whipped up some, uh, some totally different ones from the ones that we have, that you might expect. These are sort of maybe even non-traditional. We talk about the top five rivalries. Uh, the fifth one, not entirely surprising. Bucks Saints, although I think you could argue most people would be like, what? Where are the Falcons? Why aren't the Falcons in here? Uh, where, where do Falcons, cause Falcons and Saints fans hate each other. But I'm guessing that your argument for having Bucks Saints at number five, is a Brady Breeze thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it. And, and 
you know, you've got two of the greatest quarterbacks ever, you know, on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I, I think Bruce Arians is a good coach. I mean, he did a lot of good things in Arizona. I know they, you know, they, they got swept by the Saints last year. I know the first time they played, it was a good game. Uh, so I just think the Buccaneers are obviously going to be a tough team this year. The Saints are perennially a good team. You got, the, I mean, who's not going to watch those two quarterbacks go against each other? I mean, okay. just that alone for entertainment value. That, that's why I put them five. I also considered Steelers Browns just because of the, Helmet thing, but I just, I mean, the Browns got to start winning more than, than what they've been winning. And really the Steelers have kind of fallen off as well. So, you know, for those reasons, I had them at number five. Okay. Um, and, and this is not like when you're doing the, so the criteria is not necessarily like historic, like, you know, always, it's not like, Oh, these teams have battled for years and years, but you want to get teams that don't like each other, but also that have, you know, like there's a lot of juice to the rivalry right now in the moment in 2020, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and to me, it's really hard because a lot of us live in certain regions or certain areas. So, like, again, for me, for example, I live in Columbus. So it's very easy to put Steelers, Browns, because I'm right in the middle of that. But, it, it, you know, so what I've been trying to do when I make these lists is think nationally. Nationally, in large, most people, when they hear a team is playing or these individual matchups are going to be happening, who is most likely to turn on the TV and say, I'm going to watch this? And, yes, in this area, Steelers, Browns, okay, or in the South, you know, uh, Saints, Falcons. Yeah, definitely. Those will get good ratings. But I think nationally, if you hear Breeze versus Brady, uh, yeah, the history stuff matters and these two are interdivision rivals. But, but in general, I did, did tend to try to look at history, but in large, to me, it was mostly entertainment value, entertainment value and what teams I think are going to be good this year. Okay. I dig it. I think, and I think that's, that's more important than like dragging up old, old rivalries, right? So like, for instance, last year, Ben Roethlisberger goes down. Steelers, Ravens, it loses juice. Now maybe it's back this year or whatever, but you know, there, I think, I think you need to have some juice to the, to the current season just because like the, you know, just because the, I'm trying to think of a good example. Maybe like the, we'll talk about, we're talking about later rivalries in the, in the Redskins, Giants. Right. Legendary rivalry. Right. No one cares one bit about either of those teams this year. I mean, the, the fans do and we are interested. You know, in, in how the, the two teams, I mean, like, we're, there's storylines surrounding the two teams, but nobody cares about how they, like, nobody's like, oh man, Redskins Giants this weekend? Great. Can't wait to watch that. Right. And I think too, I think that, you know, I, I'm a big narrative guy. I love the storylines and everything like that. And I, and I think that like, I mean, the, the Saints have a lot of narratives. They're trying to get their last ring with Breeze and they've been stubbing their toe in the playoffs. And I got a lot of heat because I just did like my best ever. Uh, coach quarterback rankings and I have Breeze and Peyton at three, which it's like, they only have one ring. So why are they all are the way down to too low? People thought that, that was, that was way too low. They thought they should have been in the teens or somewhere because they only have one. So you thought that was too high or too low? They were third. They were third and people thought that they should be like 10th or 12th or 15th or something like that because I think most people were only looking at the bottom line, which is championships together. But if you look at the history of just those two working together, it's unbelievable. If you, if you just look at what a quarterback has done statistically, it's just, he, he, you know, Breeze with, and Peyton, you can't beat it. Um, if you're just looking at individual stats, I mean, if you want to look at rings, then you go Noel, you go Bradshaw, you go Belichick, you go Brady. But if you're just looking at those two, uh, you know, them working together, but yeah, I mean, but the narrative is they haven't won enough. So now all of a sudden, Making their job even harder. Now they got to deal with this, you know, Buccaneers team that's got Arians, that's yeah. got, you know, you know, Brady and has got Gronkowski. So now for them just to win their division, it's going to be a little hairier along with the Falcons who got a lot better as last year rolled along. We probably could have examined this as part of a podcast too, but now that I'm, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I get how people can be mad about Paul Brown and Otto Graham, but like Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. And Sean Payton is one of the greatest offensive minds to ever coach. And they should have more than one Super Bowl, probably. They've only been to one Super Bowl, but they, like right. the last three years, just daggers in the playoffs. Sean, Sean Payton wasn't allowed to coach one season. Right. Um, I'm, 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 I'm kind of with you here on this one, actually. And like, who, like, I mean, you can't have Shula Marino higher. I mean, I guess. Well, I, I mean, right. I, I really struggled. He's not a better quarterback than Drew Brees. And like, right. I think Jimmy Johnson and Sean Payton are, are comparable coaches. Right. And I think you also, what I also tried to do was what they did for each other in terms of their careers. That's why I had, you know, uh, Elway and Shannon. And I had them a little bit further back because, you know, Elway had already been a Hall of Famer and Shannon just kind of got him his rings. 
Uh, you know, same thing with, with uh, Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy. I mean, Manning was, is already an established guy. So at Dungy, they just didn't have a ring yet. Uh, when you look at what Peyton did for Brees' career and vice versa, I mean, where's Sean Peyton if Drew Brees never came? Drew Brees yeah. probably would have been a good player had he signed with Miami, but would he have been what he is now? So when you add in all those things and they have a ring, which is that, in my opinion, catapulted them over, you know, Jim Kelly and Marv Levy. I mean, they did a lot for each other. They didn't get a ring. Dan Fouts, Don Coriel did a lot together. Didn't get a ring. I mean, Marino, Marino and, uh, and the Don Shula did a lot together, but, but no ring. Uh, you look at what those two did together and yes, they, and they still do have a ring. People forget that, which is, is frustrating. It's like people forget that because they only won one a decade ago, it's like they didn't win any. It's like guys. It counts. You know, right. It counts. Absolutely. It counts. Um, I, so I like that. I like Buck Saints. I think there's going to be a lot of juice to those games, more so than even Falcon Saints. I, I don't, but maybe that's because I don't think the Falcons will be very good this year. Right. And those, like those fans dislike each other more than Bucks and Saints fans do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're talking about there's a, so much at stake. I think you're right on the narrative thing. There's so much at stake for Brady and Breeze right now, and there's a limited time to win. Right. And this is sort of the year, even even with coronavirus uh, put, putting the season at risk. So. In that sense, it does, it does seem logical that, you know, you would, uh, that you would put them there. Number four, a more traditional rivalry, Cowboys and Eagles. Yeah. I mean, I just, there, like, there's a lot at stake for both teams again. I mean, Dallas is, is trying to get that, that, I mean, so if you look at my backdrop, that's the last time Dallas has been in the Super Bowl. And that was one of the seat cushions that my uncle grabbed from, he was at that Super Bowl that they beat Pittsburgh. And it's just, it blows my mind it's been that long since Dallas has been there. And a team that has gotten in their way in recent years has been the Eagles. First it was McNabb, and, and now it's with this this new group of of Eagles. And and I know, again, you know, with narratives, it's funny, and I'm sure we could think of a million examples here. It's always funny, after a team wins a championship, how long the honeymoon lasts until then all of a sudden the fan base is like, okay, now when are we going to win it again? It was like an 18 – you know, they bowed out in the second round. Their fan base was kind of happy. They were cool. And then last year it was like, okay, hold on. We're not winning anymore. What, what's happening? And now people are turning on the coach. Now, oh, which quarterback should we have kept? I always thought they should have kept Foles. He, he won it for you. It, it was like, you know, hockey, Mark Andre Fleury and Matt Murray. You go with Fleury. Fleury won, got you those cups. So I think on both ends, there's this Eagles want to capitalize on this, this uh, window. And Cowboys fans just want to win something. And then they, they, as you said, with the, with the Falcons, Buccaneers and everything, this rivalry has that hatred. It has that dislike that's gone back for a decade. So this one has everything. Um, I'm not a fan of either franchise, which is probably why I have them at four. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, I think most people in the country, you know, are into this rivalry and most of them will watch, but that's, that's why I had them there. Well, you know, and. I would say this, like, again, the Redskins and the Giants don't really seem to matter. Maybe we're wrong. Football right. can be weird. And guys like Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins could take a big leap forward. Ron Rivera, Joe Judge could do a great job coaching up previous inept franchises, and maybe they matter. But for the most part, it does feel like the NFC East is going to come down to the Cowboys and Eagles. Uh, Debo, I noticed that you have unmuted your microphone, beginning with the Eagles chatter. Did um, Do you believe – that the Cowboys are currently the Eagles' biggest rival. Yes, and I don't think there's many things that could happen that would strip that title away. Are the Eagles the Cowboys' biggest rival right now? Probably not. And for the Eagles, geographically, you you would think there would be a lot more hatred between New York, the Giants, and the Eagles. And, you know, those teams and those cities have have longstanding rivalry. And and Philadelphians feel, you know, the inferiority complex to to New York. But for whatever reason, established late 60s, early 70s, it's been Eagles-Cowboys. You are taught as a young Philadelphian that Dallas sucks, not that New York sucks. (laughs) Um. Diva, what do you think about the construct of Nick Foles instead of Carson Wentz? I think we're here to focus on rivalries <laughs> and Dallas Cowboys. We don't need to get into that on this episode. <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough. I love Diva's I love Nick Foles. I think the right decision was made, though. Bigger rivalry, Cowboys-Eagles Eagles or Foles-Wentz? I mean, how, okay. how we, with, within the locker room, within Eagles fans, within the country, how are you defining rivalry with uh, Falls versus Wentz? You tell me. I'm going to go Eagles-Cowboys. 
Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but this is a this is a legendary rivalry. These these two teams hate each other, um, and I think Cowboys because of the way that the two fan bases act, like. I'm not trying to stereotype Eagles fans as battery throwing, snowball bombing, Santa yeah, Brewers. Don't do that because I just cut that. Yeah, I'm not trying to do that. I'm saying that's not the case. I'm just saying Philly fans, Philly fans are like have this have like the ultimate northeastern vitriol about them, right? And maybe you can give it to Boston fans, but I I would typically go with like Philly fans, just a little more like angsty, even as you point out, Diardo, they won a Super Bowl in, in the past few years, but it already feels like there's a little bit of pressure building on, on Doug Peterson. Some say not even a top five, top seven NFL coach. Um, and meanwhile, Cowboys fans are, there's, they're Texas. I mean, that's what they are. They seem, they seem to think they have this birthright to be great, even though they haven't won anything in 20 years. And they are vitriolic rednecks. So you have vitriolic, like Philadelphians and vitriolic rednecks. And when those two forces collide, boom, it is combustible. And I think that makes for a great rivalry. So I, I agree with you there. This next one at number three, highly unconventional, the Ravens and the Titans. What? Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, last year was, was that, I mean, it, it was supposed to be Baltimore's year, right? I mean, they went 14 and two. I mean, we had never seen a running game like that. They set an NFL record for rushing yards in the season. Lamar Jackson, League MVP, I think everybody can agree if Mahomes was healthy, it was his to lose again and had that little injury, a little bump. But, you know, Lamar seized it and took control. I think I think Lamar still would have won it, even if Patrick okay. Mahomes was Just because, A, voter fatigue, and B, like, right. new, like the stats. Like, it, it would have been, been much closer if Mahomes – if Mahomes hadn't played, but anyway, I digress. Go ahead. Sure. Oh, no, no, no. And yeah, for sure. But, you know, so Lamar wins his MVP award, and – Tennessee just comes right in and says, not this year. And the way they did it, you know, the, the running game, I mean, they out-Raven the Raven. They went into Baltimore. They went in with a vaunted defense and a tough running game. And they, they continued the narrative with the Lamar Jackson that he can't get it done in the playoffs. And, you know, and all the Ravens fans now are back on John Harbaugh, who, who just two years ago was fending off, you know, was pretty much coaching for his job, which is insane. So, and then you have, again, the storylines and everything. It was, what, a couple of months ago, Lamar Jackson, or even more recently, he came out and said that he thought his team overlooked the Titans. Then you had John Harbaugh coming in saying, oh, I don't necessarily agree with you. So I'm sure people in, in Nashville can hear that. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people even now saying they got lucky, they had that run, Is it? are they even legitimate this year? So I just think for both teams, it's about proving ground. And obviously for Baltimore, I mean, they're still, I'm sure, ticked off about how that whole thing went down. So they're, they're playing later this year. I think it'll be a game that, that I think people will tune into. And, and really for the AFC behind the Chiefs, who's going to be the next team? Because everybody knows the Chiefs are, they're the, they're the team to beat. So who's the, who's the next team? And I think that's what this rivalry is about. All right. That's, I, I find that compelling, a compelling case that you make. I will say this, the lack of, uh, the fact that Dean Pease is out in Tennessee, Sort of changes it a little bit for me. I, I think that if the two teams play again, that Baltimore will roll them. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Tennessee can get the run game going. And, and I just – I think Baltimore, what Baltimore is doing is more sustainable than what Tennessee did at the end of last year. Now, I could be – I mean, again, I could be way wrong. I've been way you – know, I thought the Steelers would win the division last year, and clearly that was mm-hmm. dead-ass dead wrong. Although they were – I guess they finished second. At any rate – um I, I like it. Got a little juicy. Like if the Titans come out and beat the Ravens in the regular season, all of a sudden it's like, does, does Tennessee have Baltimore's number? And what if they meet in the playoffs again? So I can, I can, I can get down with that. I don't know if I'd have it. I might have, I might slide them down to five if, if it's my. Yeah. Life. No, probably. And I think I got, I got too caught up into assuming the Texans or the Titans were going to be good. When I made this list. That was probably my mistake. I mean, really, this is really going to come down to, because I think everybody can agree, barring injury, the Ravens are going to be tough. I mean, they're going to be. If Lamar Jackson's healthy, they'll be a good team. Exactly. I think to me, this could have the potential to be three if, like you said, the Titans come in and they show that last year wasn't a fluke and when they play each other, they're good. But if they stagger back or if they, if they're, you know, fighting for a playoff spot like they were largely in 19, then it's going to lose its juice and probably should have been four or five. So it just depends on really how good they are. Yeah. And look, you're projecting for some upside in this rivalry. Sure. Sure. Number two, 49ers and Packers. Uh, I, I don't disagree with the construct here. However, I would note that, and I think this applies across all sports, for something to be a rivalry, yeah. one team has to win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that, 
again, I'm, I'm, well, and that's the weird thing when you, when you look at, look at, I mean, they're the perfect example. You look at the 49ers Packers rivalry, usually one team just kind of dominates the other team. I mean, you look at the nineties, the Packers had their way with them until the Niners won that last playoff game. You look at, you look at Dallas Packers. That's even more that way. The nineties was all Dallas. The 2010s was all the Packers. Uh, so some rivalries like, you know, like you said, are that way. But it does take away from the legitimacy of the rivalry if one team always beats the other team. So as you said, I mean, the, the Packers just got dominated by the Niners both times they played last year, including the NFC Championship game. Uh, but the Niners now have to deal with uh, being the NFC champion, having that crown, and now dealing with uh, getting every team in the NFC's best punch, including Green Bay's. They play again later this year. And that's one thing I looked at, too. Will these teams play each other? And on this list, I think all of them, uh, most of them do. I don't, I know Bucks, well, obviously Bucks Saints do and Eagles Cowboys do, but every team on here, I believe plays each other this year. So, um, you know, but as you said, <laughs> they got to start winning some of these games though, the Packers, if this is actually going to be a rivalry. Since, uh, 2010, the 49ers have won all but three of those games. Oof. Uh, 2015 Green Bay won. Cause remember there was that stretch where Kaepernick was quarterbacking and just un- like Mike McCarthy was like going to visit, uh, Kevin Sumlin down at A&M mm-hmm. to like learn how to defend the option and it didn't work. Uh, they won in 2015 and then won in, uh, 2018. 49ers not very good in 2018, but they barely squeaked by him. Uh, anyway, and then they just got throttled in the two matchups last year, including the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, look, this is a team in, in Green Bay that is 13 and three last year, supposed to be a great team. They have Aaron Rodgers. You're expecting a lot of things out of them. You know, if you, you know, it, they, they're playing the 49ers a lot lately. You have to get over the hump. You know, you have to beat the 49ers. You have to consider the 49ers to be, I think maybe the rivalry could even be like, like into, uh, the Bulls versus the Pistons, maybe mm-hmm. without, you know, without the young talent necessarily, but like the team is like, you got to get past this team if you want to be able to try and get that last championship for Aaron Rodgers. Right. Uh, and, and like you said, Rodgers and Breeze, it's the same thing. One ring, both are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Both are way up there in, on career achievements, but it's that narrative of only having one, yeah. uh, which is, you know, unfair, but it is what it is. And that's something that Rodgers is going to have to get past if, if, uh, he wants to be remembered like a Montana or some of the other guys that have multiple rings. Yeah. And he doesn't even need to be like a, like a turbo elite quarterback this year and get the ring. Right. So Peyton Manning in 2015, there's a shell of himself, but nobody, right. nobody already, we've already passed that. Like, it's like, yeah, Peyton's got two rings. What are you going to do? Uh, number one is a pretty easy choice and yeah. a good choice. Seahawks 49ers. They met three times last year, right? Didn't they meet three times last year? Am I crazy? Two times. Yeah. They met two times. Two times. Yeah. They did not meet in the playoffs, but they could. Yeah. That's right. That's right. They would have met in the playoffs had the, the, the Seahawks beaten the Packers. That's right. So they only met twice, but both games, uh, very close. And wild games. The first one was an insane primetime game. And then the second one was the, the final game of the regular season in which a, a phantom, a non, uh, there was no call on the pass interference. It should have been a call yeah. on the pass interference. And the 49ers held on and won the, the division and the number one seed in the NFC. Yeah. You know what? And, and, you know, having this job at CVS, cause prior to this, I only watched the Steelers for the most part, but getting to watch every team play was, was really a treat last year. And, a team that I really enjoyed watching was Seattle. I mean, Russell Wilson, his evolution as a quarterback has just been phenomenal. And he also was in the MVP running last year. I think Pete Carroll's a great coach. I mean, <laughs> we'll never let down the Super Bowl, which I, I noticed last year you had as the greatest Super Bowl ever, 49, right? I, I believe when you made your list. And it was. It ended with the interception. But I think Carroll does such a great job uh, maximizing his talent on his roster. And he, he sees, like last year, it was okay – Good receivers, but this is going to be a running game, tight end kind of system, and we're going to be a bend but not break opportunistic defense. And that's what they were. And they gave the pack, the Niners everything they could handle. And really, the Niners almost lost the division to the Seahawks. It could have been the Niners that had to go on the road, had to go to Lambeau Field. And maybe it's different. Maybe Green Bay at home in the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers, maybe it's a different situation. So I just think they're division rivals, good quarterbacks, good coaches, uh, should both be in contention to go to the Super Bowl. It was pretty easy pick for number one. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Uh, did you have any thought to put the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, on here? Or is there just no – because, like, Chiefs-Ravens could be I, – I, I might say take Chiefs-Ravens over Ravens-Titans. How about that? Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. I did consider the Chiefs, and I, I will concede because that, that's a better rivalry than the one I thought of. The one that I thought of for this one – was uh Rave or Chiefs Broncos. Because again, thinking yeah. interdivision, yeah. thinking they're gonna play Broncos each other. Division 
it's very it's a very tough division, but right. does anybody measure up to the Chiefs? I, I don't know. So I think you almost have to find a team. Right. Like I think the like just because you like we're probably getting Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes for the next ten years. Yeah, I, knock on wood. Like I hope we get that for the next ten years because that's and maybe they don't play each other every single year, but sort of in the way that it's like Pats and Colts were huge rivals back in the day with Brady and Manning. Maybe you get Lamar versus Mahomes as okay. Who is going to take, who's going to be the guy to take over this game and, and, and win this game? And, and, and sort of, you know, if you want to win the AFC, you're going to have to take down one of these two teams. It, like it almost feels like w- those teams will battle out for the AFC championship in, in years to come, but maybe we're wrong with, with Brady gone, but maybe, and maybe I'm overthinking it. No, and I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that should be the one here that that's banging on the door. Or if you said, Hey, let's, let's predict the next 10 years. What is going to be the rivalry? That's not interdivision. I would say that one. And I love this one because I think everybody either is a Mahomes guy or a Jackson guy. Yeah. And I'm, I was, I've been more of a Jackson guy. I like the AFC North. I love the way he plays, but man, Mahomes is just something else. And I don't know if you have a preference over which guy you like to, to watch more. But again, if we're talking about uh, players that people enjoy watching, I mean, it doesn't get better than Mahomes and Jackson. I love watching both play. It was a shame that they weren't able to play in the playoffs last year. Yeah, Titans really ruined it. We're trying to get this. Uh, yeah. All right, let's um, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about rivalries of your. Okay. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so the 2010s, you also ranked... Did you did you enjoy this project? Did you like this project? Did you volunteer for this project? Because you ranked the best rivalries of every decade. Uh, I like some more than others. Uh, it's like, some, you know, the 60s, I had to do a lot of research. That wasn't, I didn't really enjoy that one. Uh, See, that, that happened to me, that happened to me with the, I have to do the ranking, the, all the great, the Super Bowls, like one yeah. through whatever number is it is. Every right. year I'd have to redo the piece. Now it's fine now because it's the same story. So I just take the last year's Super Bowl and slot it somewhere amongst yeah. the list. But the first time I did it, that effing sucked. I was like back, I was like watching like old tape of like, and now, in fact, I will say this, and you'll appreciate this as a Steelers guy, but I developed a newfound appreciation for Terry Bradshaw that I don't think I had before through watching those older games. I've heard I, you say that before on your podcast. Yeah, yeah like, he, like, you're like you watch him, you're like, okay, I mean, it's not that this guy was a gay man. I mean, this guy had a cannon. I mean, yeah. and you knew that, but you, you know, Terry Bradshaw, for anybody really under the age of 50, is probably just the guy, like, you know I mean? Maybe goofy guy on Fox that does the married uh, failure to launch showing his butt on the camera. Right. 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 The goofy Terry Bradshaw, but like he was a badass back in the day. And if you watch those tapes, you really see it. And you could, you could see a world where Terry Bradshaw is, you know, born in 1995. Right. And becomes an incredible, or maybe he's even born like twenty years, like twenty years later, and he just becomes this incredible downfield passer in, a, in an era where you know we appreciate the vertical passing game more. Uh, and defenses were were much better, and they crushed him back in the day. But uh, I guess my 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 point is that yes, researching old football stuff is a pain in the ass. Yeah, and and but Bradshaw though, like like you said, I mean he was. I think when you said maybe born twenty years later, I thought Drew Bledsoe just a better version, better version, just rocket arm to get the ball downfield. The issue with him earlier in his career was he just he 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 was very raw. He was much like Brett Favre, where he had to. The Holgram got a hold of Favre really early and reined him in and, and got him to you know settle in. And it yeah. took Noel a lot longer uh, to the point when Bradshaw actually lost his starting job in '74 for a while. But yeah, once Bradshaw figured it out, he was yeah. 
Who did he lose it to in 74? Joe Gilliam. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and Hanratty was kind of there. I think he got a start somewhere. But, I mean, once – and the rules just just really opened things up for Bradshaw. Because at that point, too, Swan and Stallworth had matured. They were ready to go. You know, Franco actually was underrated as a receiver. Like, he actually could catch the ball out of the backfield pretty well. So they had – at that point – and then the defense was still the de- them. The, the defense different. was still dominant. So everything kind of worked out for them, you know, once the rules changed and Bradshaw grew up. Who is the – or is it – who is the Steelers' all-time rival? If you had to pick, like, across, not a, not one decade, but all-time, who would be the biggest rival for the Steelers? Because clearly you have the, you know, the, the run of Steelers and Ravens in modern history is, is pretty tough to beat. But you go back and, like, the Cowboys were huge, uh, the Browns, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, so who would you go with? For me, it's Dallas. Me okay. personally, it's Dallas. Even though they don't play each other very much, I mean, because – they're the team or even that, in the same conference. Well, no, yeah, they play every four years. They're not, yeah, they're, it's, most people disagree with me and that's okay. I mean, if I'm just going to go, go with what I think, I mean, it's, they both measure each other by championships and, uh, Pittsburgh doesn't like the fact that they call themselves America's team. Mm. Dallas doesn't like the fact that Pittsburgh has won two out of three. And now if you're going to go with the personal thing, the thing that bothered me about the rivalry when you go back to the seventies and, Correct me if I'm wrong, Landry never acknowledged they were better, ever. And, and I remember after Super Bowl thirteen in the in the postgame interviews, Landry's like, well, they were better today, but they weren't the better team. I mean, they from 74 or 75 to 79, they played four times. Pittsburgh won all four games. And, like, regular season games weren't close. Like, these Super Bowls, Dallas actually, I think, played better than they did. And in 77, the year Dallas won their second ring, Pittsburgh beat them by 15. Franco ran for a buck 80. Like, Pittsburgh was clearly the better team, but Dallas will never say that, which, right. you know, and, and me and Patrick Walker have had our conversations about this. Like, just admit that, this, that they were better back then. So that's what, so, but if I think most fans would say Ravens, if you were born and, you know, if you're a millennial, you're going to say the Ravens. If you're a baby boomer, you're going to say the Browns. If you're a tweener like me, you'll probably say the Cowboys. So I think it's a generational thing, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, all right, you mentioned the Cowboys. They're actually number five on your 2010s, uh, so we're talking about what do you even call the 2010s? The the tens, I guess. Tens, I don't know. Yeah, you got me. I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out in later decades, I guess. What what we call this? One. Sounds terrible, but anyway, this this past decade, uh, you looked at the best rivalries: Cowboys and Packers at number five. Yeah, Cowboys Packers was was good. I mean, you you look at really this one to me came down to the to the two playoff games they played in in fourteen, which now they changed the rules because of that with the Des Bryant thing, and and if. Yep. You ask Dallas fans the last 20 years, you know, give us your best two teams that, that didn't win it or your best three teams. It would be the 16 Cowboys, the 14 Cowboys, and the 07 Cowboys. Uh-huh. Well, the 14 Cowboys and the 16 Cowboys lost to, to Green Bay. And that, that Favre game in 16 was just like, you got to be kidding me how great that the, the was. Rogers, the Rogers game, the, the throw to Jared, uh, is it Jared, was it Jared Cook in 16? Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, yeah. I mean, the throw, yeah, the throw on the sideline against the Cowboys was, it's one of the single greatest throws I've ever seen. I mean, it's, it's absurd. Yeah, so you just look at those two games alone. So, so Dallas's three best teams post '95, Rogers took them out twice. So yeah. it's kind of like, so you know, I just think for that reason, I put them at five. They didn't play enough, uh, and and Green Bay, as you said earlier, I mean, it's it's hard to have a great rivalry when one group dominates. Green Bay dominated. That's why they fell to five. Well, and the other thing too is that for as much as and we'll get into the division, but like the last ten years. You know, the the Vikings and – so, like, from 2010 to 2020, I don't know that you, like, look at the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions and say, oh, Green Bay had a great division rival. Like, it was almost more like these other teams in the NFC that they would meet up with. Right. Um, same thing – same deal goes for the Ravens and the Patriots. Uh, if, I mean, how many times did these two teams square off for the AFC Championship? feels like 10 in that division. Right. Not right, but – Feels you cool. got to give Harbaugh credit too, because he can beat Belichick in the playoffs. I mean, if you oh, look at you guys, yeah, right. Well, you know, if you look at, at Harbaugh and Tomlin's careers, they're so similar. The division championships, the postseasons. But if you had to give Harbaugh a nod somewhere, I mean, he's he's beaten Belichick in the playoffs. Tomlin, Tomlin and, can't. No, and I can't defend him. And I'm a Tomlin guy. I'm a well, big I mean, Tomlin you're also fan. Like, you're also like, oh, this guy couldn't knock Zeus off the mountaintop. Oh, well, I mean, sure. It's a door. Yeah, or like Colin Malone couldn't beat Michael Jordan. Well, all right, well, get in line. So. Good comp. Yeah, it's a great comp. Right. Um, yeah, I think that the, you know, the, so the playoff record during the decade, Patriots two to one, overall five to three. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Harbaugh might actually have the edge right now. I guess he won the last one in 2019, but like if you were picking 
let's say these teams play 20 times in the next 10 years, I mean, you're probably taking Harbaugh, right? Taking the Ravens right now with Lamar Jackson versus maybe, I don't know how you feel about Cam Newton and how long he'll play, but, you know. If, yeah, if, you're, if you're a betting man and you're going for the more sure thing, you're for sure going to go Harbaugh uh, and what they've done. Uh, man, Belichick, it's just, it's, it's so hard to coach. It's so hard to bet against him though. I mean, and you know what? Like you, you take all the deflate gate stuff, you take, you, you throw all that stuff out the window, man. The guy can still coach. He's, he's one of the all time best. So he's, oh, yeah, he's the best all time. Oh, he's the best. No, he's the best. You, you, you take away the arguably thing. He, he's the best ever. And, and I think the thing that people don't really understand is, his first year coaching, he was coaching against the 75 Steelers in the playoffs. So he's seen like decade by decade, like he coached against Walsh and the 49ers. He coached against Parcells. He coached with Parcells. Like he, he's seen every evolution of this game. It, it, I think it's just unbelievable. Like his knowledge of the game and how he's able to transfer that into success. Yeah. And we should note that, and I, I don't, they probably won't pop up when we, so like one of the, one of the game, the playoff games is from, like they beat the Baltimore beat New England in New England in 2009, right. which was right. Joe Flacco's rookie year after Welk retours ACL and, and Ray Rice ripped it off. So like that one doesn't count on this particular resume. Sure. And, right. But it's just another, you know, it's another reason why you give Harbaugh credit. Raven Steelers at number three. I'm surprised you went this low with that one. I got a lot of, I got a lot of flack for this one. Um, I, I, well, and here's the main reason why if you, and you, again, you said it earlier on this podcast. This rivalry wasn't, it's like a good movie sequel. Okay. I'm an old, and I'm not even going to pretend to be as good about movies as Sean, but I'm going to try here. So <laughs> I'm a, I'm in the sure shot. <laughs> right. So, and I'm not starting a blog either because I can't write about movies. I'm trying to just be good at writing about football. So let's, you know, but so I, I am a uh, Michael Keaton Batman guy. I was as, like, as everyone should be, Any as everybody other, should be. Suggestion is paramount to, to movie treason. Right. Yeah. And I, I was four years old when the first one came out and I used to love that one. And then when like I got a little older, I, I watched Batman Returns and I'm like, you know, this one's really good too. So it, it's like a good movie sequel that it was great. And most sequels aren't that good, but this one was like Batman Returns compared to Batman. Like the 2000s Raven Steelers was like, that set the template. I mean, that was just epic great playoff games, uh, the 08 AFC championship game, the 01 playoffs, all the regular season games they had. Uh, that, I mean, I don't have enough time to go into that, but the tens was great, but it wasn't as good as the prior decade. So how can I, how can I, I think that's what gets conflated, right? Easy to think about this past 10 years in the same light as 2000 to 2009, but that's not what we're doing. It hasn't been as, it hasn't been as great, although it's been very good. Right. And I think, I think the on field competition was really good still, but the nastiness, like that went to Cincinnati and I almost had Cincinnati in here, but Pittsburgh was 18 and three against them. They haven't lost them since, since 2015. So the nastiness that the Steelers Ravens had in the 2000s, that went to Cincinnati. The competitiveness was still there in the 2010s between the two teams, really even more so. It was more competitive. Baltimore actually beat Pittsburgh in the 14 playoffs, which was their first postseason win over right. Pittsburgh. But the nastiness, I think when, when Ed Reed left and Ray Lewis left and Heinz Ward left and it, it, the nastiness, I think went away a little bit. And that's why they fell to three. And, um, I mean, I guess Tomlin was coaching the whole time, but like yeah. they were yeah. changing up coordinators constantly, yeah. leaves and then comes back. And so like, like you just, you had all these, you had all these departures from the team. Like I, 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 so I actually like your ranking there. In fact, I, I, there's no chance in hell I would put it over, uh, Seahawks 49ers from 2010 to 2020, because even if, right. And the Seahawks dominated at 14 to seven, and that's pretty bad. Um, right. although the, the 49ers had a 10 game winning streak. Is that right? They did. Um, they did. That's yeah. crazy. Wait, wait, that can't be right. If it was no, it's the other way around. Seattle had a 10 game Seattle, winning, 10-game winning streak. streak. Yep. So, all the way around. So the thing about this rivalry is that it was, you cannot count the Chip Kelly and Jim Tom Sula years. Right. Like, I mean, you have to, you have to count them, but this rivalry is all about Jim Harbaugh versus Pete Carroll. And those teams hated each other. In fact, I remain convinced. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I remain convinced that the reason why the Seahawks would never sign Colin Kaepernick has nothing to do with blackballing Colin Kaepernick, but has everything to do with Russell Wilson and be like, hell 
hell no. Like that was my number one rival for the second I stepped in the league. We were drafted, you know, like, or he was, Kaepernick was drafted in 11, but didn't play in 11 because Alex Smith was there. And Russ and Kaepernick out of the gates were head to head against each other. Kaepernick was given way more credit. Ron Jaworski once called him like the potentially the greatest quarterback of all time or something insane. And Russ never got the credit that, that he, that the Kaepernick got for leading that team. It was always the defense. And so I think that, I think that fire still burns a little bit and, when Harbaugh left, it dissipated very quickly. Now it's back, as as you point out in the in the newest one. But I mean, this these two teams hated each other for that for that four or five year stretch. That's a great point on the Wilson Kaepernick that I have never really thought about much. But it's a it's a great point because it's like, and then you even look at the next year. Who did Wilson beat the next year? Aaron Rodgers. It's like, and he almost took down Brady, and and they he took down Peyton Manning. And I I get that it, it's not he's not going out on the field at the same time Peyton is. It's a team thing. But I mean, quarterbacks get the credit for those wins, and he was able to to get his team those wins. But I try not to be too swayed by probably my favorite game or the game of each decade that, that stuck to me the most. But when I think of 2010s football, maybe besides Super Bowl 49, I think the game I remember the most is that that 49ers Seattle 2013, yeah. and it's, that game was just nasty. Well, I mean, that's the one where. Like, Bart Bowman got hurt and the tip yeah, pass. Thurman goes up to Aaron Andrews afterwards and is like, yeah. like you don't throw me. Nobody throws me. And then CNN is like calling him a thug all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like Richard Sherman is the story of the Super Bowl. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Like that was, that was the, like, that game was way better than that, than that Super Bowl. I mean, that Super Bowl was a blowout. Oh, yeah. And that, that, that NFC championship game, whoever won that, I don't know if the 49ers would have definitely beaten the Broncos, but they certainly might have. And so I, I'm, I'm with you there. Number one in the 2010s, Broncos Patriots. I would, I might have gone with 49ers Seahawks, but I, I, now that I think like Broncos Patriots had a longer stretch, I guess. Yeah. They didn't really have many breaks. Obviously when Manning left it, it was over. But yeah. I mean, for that, for that stretch of time, I mean, they met in those two AFC championship games and, now, again, we're talking – I mean, I, there's no ranking of best conference championship games. If I'm going to go NFC, it's the one we just discussed. If we're going AFC, I mean, that 15 game, I mean, Manning's last hurrah pretty much before they went to the Super Bowl. Don just takes over and and, yeah. like, and destroys – yeah. And, that, and, it was the, oh, in fact, I was watching that in the in the Panthers press box because the Panthers were playing the Cardinals in the NFC. Oh, yeah, they steamrolled them. Later that, yeah, yeah, they crushed him. And it was just like, you're watching, you're like, oh my God, Von Miller, like Von, 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 Von just took over that game. And they, Brady had no time. Yeah. And, it, and, and the thing I think people forget about Manning at that point, he was just that cagey gunslinger that like, I, and I, I don't know, if, well, he's way better than Robert Dory, but you know, at the end of Robert Dory's career, you just bring him out to shoot threes. I mean, Manning, just Manning was washed. It. he was washed. But if you look at that game and you look at the Super Bowl, Belichick expected them to come out and run the ball. Uh, the, the Panthers expected the same thing. And Manning in both games actually went out and had success throwing early. It was like, yeah. I'm going to, we're going to catch you guys off guard. We're going to get an early lead and then we're going to tee off with Von Miller and we're going to dictate the tempo of how this game's going to go. I mean, Manning got through at that point mostly on his, his wisdom and really people doubting him, people overlooking that he still could make a couple of good throws a, a game, but just, uh, and then even the regular season games they played during that time, Denver, I think in 12 had a 24 nothing lead over the Patriots. The first time Manning was there and, and Brady willed them back. So it's even the regular season games that kind of get forgotten over time. Uh, you know, when people look at that ranking, they go, why did you have them that high? It's the great championship games they played in, but also those epic regular season games that dictated which team got, uh, you know, where they were eventually in the AFC playoffs in terms of positioning and everything like that. So yeah, just, they had it all. Look, there was no Manning, there was no Manning in 2011. Right. And he immediately goes to the Broncos in 2012 and he's a little rocky out of the gates. Right. But like by and large, he got it going by midseason with Denver and they, they won a ton of games and it was like immediately, okay, this it's, it's Tom and it's Tom and Peyton again. You know, like they're back and although I guess Andrew Luck, did Andrew Luck take out the Broncos one year? Yeah. And he did in 2012. Oh, 2014, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but by and large, it's Broncos and Patriots battling out to see who would go to the Super Bowl. Manning steals one just like he did, um, right. you know, in, in the prior, in the prior decade. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at the 2000s real quickly. So the, we mentioned Steelers, Patriots on there. That has to be, no doubt about it. Ravens, Titans. Well, yeah. Yeah. Raven, Ravens, Titans was, was people forget that they belonged in the AFC Central. Back in the 90s and the Titans, when they went to, they went to the Super Bowl in 99 
And then 2000, uh, the Ravens had their run. So when they played uh, in the playoffs that year, it was pretty much like, again, we're the best two teams here. Which one's going to get through? And that was the epic Steve McNair throws yeah. it to Eddie George and Ray Lewis just takes it and screams down the sideline. Uh, and then three years later, they play in this, this epic uh, – if it's funny, if you go on Twitter and you Twitter or you type in Eddie George Ray Lewis, you don't see that play. You don't see that interception. You see a play in the 03 playoffs where McNair gives the ball to Eddie and Ray Lewis just slams him down and they both get up and hit each other on the helmet. Like, oh, wow. We get it. We're both in the playoffs. This is the way it is. So, uh, early again, 2000s football, which was this, very different from early 2010s football and certainly very different from current football. I mean, like, exactly. Dudes were angry and hate each other. I, I think about, uh, you got Tampa Bay and Philly on here, Buccaneers, Eagles at, at number five. I think that's a great choice too. Um, Debo, were you, uh, were you born in the 2000s? Yes, Will. I'm just kidding. Do you remember hating the Buccaneers? Oh my God. I mean, I, I talk about Dallas sucks, but the worst sporting loss of my life was that NFC championship with yeah. Joe Jaravicious running and running and running and Rondé Barber running and running and running. And it was just everything that added up the, the Buccaneers being so bad in cold weather. And I remember Warren Sapp coming out with, with no sleeves and maybe no shirt on. Um, yeah, the Bucks. The Bucks were hated for a while. The Cowboys had Quincy Carter and whoever at that point, so they weren't really even on my radar. Well, and the 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 Eagles had gone thirteen and five, had gotten. I guess these were the top two teams in the NFC that year, right? Didn't the Bucks have a bye too? Because they were fourteen and or excuse me, not thirteen and five, but they went uh, whatever they did in the regular season. I think both teams had a bye, if I'm not if I'm not incorrect. The Eagles' final record was thirteen and five with the with the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you, I mean. That that was as the they, they that was one of those chances that Andy Reid and McNabb had to get, to like to get the monkey off their back and it just didn't happen. It was it was crushing. Yeah, the was that the second of three in a row NFC Championship games. Yes, and, and then the one before that was the Rams. They weren't really ready. The one after that, the Panthers was just. Oh man, I watched that at Putters Bar in Winston Salem with my buddy Zeke and uh, and, and and our pal Holmes. That uh, that Panthers one, God, that was a great game. Was it uh, was it just Sean Foster down the sideline? Yeah, I think like, the final he score. Ran, was, he ran for like two and a half minutes. Just I think it was like seventeen to three, and 14, then the, fourteen to three. Okay, the year after is when they they broke through and they made it finally. Yeah, and then lost to the man. I'm glad you have that Super Bowl, Diva. Me too. <laughs> that was the last game at Veterans Stadium too. That I believe that Buccaneers that win. I mean, can you imagine a stadium going out any worse than that? Right. Yep. Oh. The Panthers game was Link. Oh uh, my God, that's tough. So uh. The final game of the vet was. <laughs> is that when everybody got arrested too? I mean, or is that just every game at the vet? I guess you're just you're lost. just going. I mean, Sean got fired for bringing up Santa Claus and the Eagles fans, <laughs> and you're just piling on right now. Yeah, I'm trying to think. How long was that touchdown run by Deshaun Foster? I mean, you got your title. What do you want? Um, uh, maybe it was just one yard, but he had a huge rushing play down the sidelines, if I recall correctly. If I recall correctly, I feel like I recall that correctly. I think I, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, you have Cowboys Eagles on there as well, who we mentioned Giants and Cowboys from the 2010s and Vikings and Packers and Steelers Ravens. Those are three awesome divisional rivalries. You give the nod to Steelers Ravens, as we mentioned from the 2000s over those other two. Yeah, I mean, that one, that one had everything. I mean, you look at, and really at the beginning, the Ravens won their Super Bowl in 2000, and then they, and it's kind of a forgotten game. I mean, they came in the next year. You talk about controversial quarterback decisions. I mean, the Eagles, or back then, the Ravens got rid of Dilfer, and they rolled with Elvis Gerback that year. They rolled with Gerback. They got a playoff win. I think they went into Miami and won, and then they went to Pittsburgh, and that was probably, that was Cordell's final final uh, moment in time where he had a lot of success and then then New England came in and beat him but uh the whole decade they battled each other there wasn't really a break in, in action I mean because then in 04 Ben came in and then his first game action was actually against the Ravens so it's got that history mixed in uh they were always good I mean they played in the playoffs in uh, 2001 as I said 2008 with that that Troy Palomalu pick six, which was just, and that's the other thing too, Will, which was kind of funny when I went through the research, particularly the last two decades, 
Joe Flacco was in a lot of big games, and he won a few of them. Huge games. And he played pretty well in a lot of these games. And so, I mean, I'm not going to – we're not going to go off on the Flacco tangent here. I just thought that was interesting. But this rivalry had everything, and I I do think it captivated enough of the country. I think there were enough people that enjoyed the type of football they were playing. It wasn't just a regional rivalry that people in the Midwest enjoyed. I think everybody in general tuned in when these two teams played at their height. Vikings-Packers is interesting to me because – you had the Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss team mm-hmm. against Brett Favre teams. And then later you had Brett Favre against the, like, to, to the fact that in that same decade you could get like Favre being the most hated human being ever by the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And then leaves and plays for the Vikings and like is great. I mean, that's, that's some high level rivalry stuff to happen in a single decade. So I, I, I give that one credit, but I think you're, you're correct in, Putting at number one, the uh, the Colts and the Patriots, uh, Brady Manning, the height of of their respective powers. Right. Uh, Brady missed one year with a torn ACL, of course. Uh, and and but yeah, I mean like they, I mean that it was must see television every time that those two two teams played. I'm not even sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, the narrative too. If we're going to go back to the tens, the narrative before you know Peyton went to Indy, or I'm sorry, uh, Denver was. He can't beat Belichick and, and Brady when it counts, except for 16 or 06, except for the 06 championship game. That was it. So now, now Manning, when he gets to play golf in Jim Nance's backyard with Tom Brady, he can say, Hey, I'm, I was three and one against you in the playoffs, which well, not three in AFC championship games. He was three right, and right, one. Right. overall playoff record. It was different, but Hey, and he did that because of Denver, but in Indy, it was, it was. I mean, you knew it was, it was like, it, it was similar to Niners Cowboys in the nineties where you knew. The winner of this game was probably going to go on and win the Super Bowl. And yeah. uh, typically, if you were a fan of the other AFC teams, Ravens, Pittsburgh, you wanted the Colts to win. Because as good as Manning was, you knew if you put pressure on him, and they had this tendency to choke. Also, uh, you didn't have Bill Belichick. Well, that, well, there you go. Right, <laughs> so you kind of always kind of hope. Like, I remember I left the Steelers-Jets game in 04, and I remember getting gas, and I was listening on the radio with Corey Dillon scored again, and and – the Patriots are going to go beat the Colts. And I just remember thinking, I don't even know if I want to watch next week. Like, I just, you knew, <laughs> you knew they were beaten. It was, wasn't even, it wasn't even a question. So yeah, I mean, those, those two were, were a great uh, dynasty, even though people now have Manning Brady fatigue. There's a reason why you have fatigue. It's because we spent two decades talking about it because it was that good. Two, two completely full decades. But I mean, and they were incredible games. And it is true. Like the thing about the, the Colts is, you know, they had switched over. Tony Dungy uh, left. The Tampa Bay mm-hmm. and went to Indianapolis. And and when that happened, Indianapolis went to the Tampa two defense. And I just think that as good as it was, I don't know that that was the defense that you wanted to be trotting out to stop uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You know what I mean? Oh, like, right. Like it's not like, it's not physical enough to put pressure on him and it, it is a zone. Like, so like you, you know, you can, you know, you're not, it's not based on like elite defensive talent shutting down high end offensive talent. It's like, it's, you know, they're going to put guys who are all, you know, anyway, that's a whole different. Let's hit on one thing from each of the final, the, the last three decades. I can't believe you ranked it 90s, 80s, and 70s. Um, which 90s rivalry? Bills, Dolphins, Broncos, Chiefs, Cowboys, Packers, 49ers, Packers, Cowboys, 49ers. Does the NFL need the most to, to, to blossom again? See, I, and this is to me, I'm, because it's like you know that certain teams are going to get good fans. You know, Cowboys games are in it. So I, I tried intentionally not to include some of the big-ticket teams that already are going to do really well. I've got it down to either I, – I pick Broncos and Chiefs just because I think Mahomes could use an interdivision rival, someone that – He's one. He right, in the regular one. season, you're going to tune in and say, hey, let's watch this game. And, and Denver's got a lot of history. They have a great fan base. And, and when they're good, people tune in. The next pick was, was Dolphins-Bills because yep. both franchises just need a shot in the arm. And I think – if, if, if networks can get ratings off of those two teams, then obviously the league in, in large is going to be in a better place. Yeah. I mean, I think the one downside of Bills, Bills Dolphins becoming this awesome rivalry again, and I think it should be, it would be great if it was, because that means A, that it means both Josh Allen and Tua Tungavaloa right. developed into quality quarterbacks, and that's good for the league. The one downside is that if that's a huge rivalry, it means that something has happened with the Patriots. And maybe, maybe that's just what, how it's supposed to work out. You know, you know what I mean? Like if, right. Cause in theory, it should be either the Bills, Dolphins, or maybe even the Jets rises up and, and creates a new rivalry with the Patriots. But maybe two of them rise up and the Patriots fall apart. I, you know, or, or maybe 
it's just two teams who get better and are battling for second place. I don't know. I th- but I think I agree with you completely. Bills Dolphins needs to be good again because those games were man. Those they hated each other. Yeah, they did, and they played in a lot of big playoff games, and and that's a major reason why Marino and Shula didn't win a championship is sure. because Jim Kelly and the Bills are just trumpeting in every single year, like '92 was supposed to be Miami's year. They hosted Buffalo in that championship game because the whole thought back then was if we can host Buffalo, not have to go to Orchard Park when it's 20 degrees, why the yeah. chance? And Buffalo went down there and it, they showed they can, they can run in the heat. They can run in the cold. It's still, still the same they got, thing. They got absolutely smoked. So it was like 29 to 10. Uh, okay. So for the, uh, so I, I, we're on the same page there for the eighties. And well, you know, we'll just, we'll just combine the eighties and seventies here. Um, do you think how much of an influence of these rivalries? And for the eighties, you had Vikings, 49ers, Giants, Redskins, Bears, Redskins, Broncos and Browns, Giants and 49ers. Yeah. Giants and 49ers was legendary. And then, uh, and then the seventies, Rams, Vikings, which just seems crazy now, but sure. Cowboys, Rams, Dolphins, Raiders, again, crazy. Cowboys, Vikings, Cowboys, Redskins, Cowboys, Steelers, Raiders, Steelers. All those make sense, but they just seem insane in 2020. Um, how much of those? do you think have an influence on today's fans, today's, today's matchups? Cause I mean, they do when they're on TV and you talk, it's like if, cow, if the Cowboys and the, and the, the Raiders, or excuse me, if the Raiders and the Steelers play, people talk about it or the Cowboys and the Steelers, but it is sort of hard. Like you've got both teams need to be playing well, I think to harken back to those days. Well, right. And I think, I bundled it down to just a few teams uh, when you're kind of seeing, like, what was the legacy now because of what happened back then. I mean, unfortunately for, like, Vikings and Rams, they're footnotes right. because they lost the majority of those matches. They had that upset against the Niners in 87, but then they couldn't back that up with anything else. The Rams were on the short end of a lot of, of, a lot of runs, so they're footnotes. Uh, that era kind of made the Steelers and Niners traditional when, when they're on TV now. The announcers say, oh, traditional powers or traditional great teams. You know, the Cowboys, because of that, became America's team because of what they did in the 70s and the popularity of Tom Landry and the hat and the way they won. They were a shotgun team before teams used the shotgun. They had Hollywood Henderson and, and the Doomsday defense and, and all of their, the celebrities. Uh, you know, the Raiders, on a more sad note, they're yesterday's news. I mean, yeah. and that's the sad thing. It's like, and I was watching, I had never seen Hard Knocks before. It was on NFL Network. I'm a cheapo and won't buy HBO. So now I'm finally seeing everything a year later. So, oh, I tell you about By the way, do you have, uh, what kind of, who, who's your internet through? I think it's Time Warner. Time Warner's our provider. Okay. Cause I have AT&T internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you switch to AT&T now, my buddy told me this the other day. So he's like, they'll give you, you get HBO Max for free. Oh, I'm done. On AT&T. And I was like, man, I got to see if I can upgrade. So I get that. And I logged into my AT&T. It was like, HBO Max on us. Like, you've got it. I was like, what? Like, how did I not know this? So HBO Max, if you got AT&T, apparently HBO Max is free. Uh, this is neither a plug for HBO Max nor AT&T, but there's a lot of stuff I like to watch on HBO. So nice. you know, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, shoot. I'll go ahead and look into that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it. The, the Raiders, it's sad because, yeah, all their success is like pre-night or, you know, bef- after or before 1983. And, and it's sad because now people, they're kind of a joke. No one really thinks of them. I mean, the Browns, perennial losers because they lost three of four. Um, and now we're going to end on a positive note. The Giants, I mean, Parcells established himself in the Giants as a championship team because before Parcells, the Giants, I think you have to go back to like the 50s with like, uh, you know, before, I mean, they weren't really relevant, you know, since then. So Frank Gifford was like their best player. So, you know, and they played the Colts in the 58 championship and, and, and stuff. So Parcells kind of like – brought the Giants into present time. It was like, we can win. I mean, starting in 84 and then ending in 90 when they well, beat the I mean, What was happening in the late 70s, and I don't think – so in the, early, in the early part of the 70s, you could sort of establish a national fan base. We saw that with the Steelers right. and Cowboys. Now, Dallas and Pittsburgh being two hubs, but two dynasties that people flock to. It's like the Yankees, right? I mean, that's just sort of how it worked in terms of – but then in the 80s, as – the TV boom for the NFL was happening. These teams that won titles were given the designation of, you know, of, of, of blue blood franchises. And so right. you know, the Cowboys and Steelers already established that, like you said, with Parcells, the Giants win. Like the Bills were 
told that they were losers in the 80s right. and 90s because they, they went to four Super Bowls and couldn't win one. Right. There's Every team would like to go to four Super Bowls and not win one right now. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to do. And the same thing with the Browns, right? Like, they lost right. all the luster that they had built up and, and with the Raiders. Because modern-day fans think about the Raiders, and hopefully like Amy Trask can listen to this, but, you know, the latter portions of Al Davis' career probably overshadows the early portions. Of, you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. – we have this, this, this time period where you can establish your franchise as, and that's why the Redskins are considered a blue blood franchise, even yeah. though they haven't done crap <laughs> in 25 years. I think that's a, a phenomenal point that I've never really thought about, but that was such a hallmark moment because the, the 58 championship game, now all of a sudden the pastime is changing to football from baseball. The sixties, the Packers came in, the AFL, and then in the seventies, it just, it, it went, it went crazy. Then the 80s, that's when all of a sudden our franchise were going to find. The, the two that I think are the weirdest two is Washington and the Bears. Because the Bears got their ring. They got their ring, but then they didn't win anymore. And they're, I mean, for Eagle fans of today or whoever that won one, or I know you're, you're a Braves fan, uh, like the 90s. It's like they got you got yours, but then you didn't win anymore. So it's kind of like, how do you handle that? And then you look at Washington – they won three, but they're forgotten because they were so spread out. I think it was three in nine or ten years. They got smashed in, in the one that was supposed to be their defining Super Bowl, 18 to the Raiders, and they won with different quarterbacks, and they never really had any stars. I mean, Joe Gibbs is really the enduring – and Daryl Green. So your your legacy player was a cornerback. Yeah, I mean, that that and who's, by the way, getting blitzkrieged on Twitter lately. He should be. Uh, who, was, who, was, who was blasting him? Was it Sante Samuel? Yeah, Sante Samuel. He's like – why do people respect Daryl Green? It's like, uh, you want to he's never, he's never noticed that Daryl Green returned a punt return for a touchdown with a punctured lung or he had that rib injury. He's like limping in with a touchdown to knock the Bears out of the playoffs, but that's okay. He wasn't good. He didn't outrun Eric Dickerson in a playoff game, but whatever. And the Bears are another, you know, Bears, same thing. It's like, you know, you win in 85 and you establish this identity of what you are. Like the Giants right. team for what part, what they did with Parcells always sort of continued. Like that's always what they wanted to be, even when they won titles with Eli Manning. You know, it was Eli was playing great. You had this, you had sort of this quarterback who was probably a little overrated, a little underrated, made big plays like Phil Sims. You know, wasn't like a Mahomes guy, but then you had, you, you won with defense and, you know, the 49ers. It's crazy though, too, because the 49ers, you know, gave up so much. Like they were so bad for so long after that crazy run. Yeah. That it's, 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 you know, it's why these Eagles fans even now are like, ah, it's been three years. I don't know. We kind of want another Super Bowl, Doug. Like it's, you can, you can see how quickly things erode away if you don't win that Super Bowl for a club in, in the modern day that I think people panic a little bit. Yeah, and and I and the other thing too in the eighties and the, going into the nineties, the NFC won thirteen in a row. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I mean, no. so so it was like the AFC was like didn't matter. It was like didn't matter what you guys were doing. It was like the AFL NFL was back. It was like you guys can have fun scoring points and wearing colorful jerseys. Like leave the winning to the big boys. But it really came down to just those couple of teams. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it, and again, like like so I I'm in Ohio where Indians fans in the nineties would kill. For that one World Series, they would kill for it. Yeah. But, I, but I totally understand if you're on the other side, you get greedy. If you're a Braves, you're first- like, I cannot believe we only won one title. So I was I was a Duke fan when I was a kid and a Braves fan. Mm-hmm. So I was born in '81. So from '91 to '95, yeah, you know, like I'm like titles. Yeah, I'm gonna go <laughs> back to the title tree and grab another like ah oh, you know like titles are free and and you just don't understand how tough it is for these teams that don't win them you know you you look at like the broncos in the 80s where they lose back to back super bowls to the giants and the redskins you know and, and then again to the 49ers a few years later the bills then lose four consecutive ones and you're right like the like when i was when i when i was growing up the heyday of uh, and the boom of the super bowl when the super bowl really became the defining thing that you watched um you know this was it was the NFC total domination, and it, it, it obviously flipped with with Peyton Manning and, and and Tom Brady. Here's how crazy the NFC's dominance was back then for people that weren't alive or don't remember. So I was a ten when Super Bowl Thirty happened. Steelers are playing Dallas. Steelers are double digit underdogs. That Pittsburgh cut it to three with four minutes left, and it was like the movie. It was like Rocky. You know they're not going to win, but we're still here. Like we're not. We're not, it's not 52 to 10. We're not the Bills. Like, we're still here. And I remember, like, 
Greg Gump or uh, Dick Enberg at one point is like, we have a game. Like everybody was just excited. <laughs> like it's not over yet. And, you know, Dallas ended up winning, which we all kind of knew, but it was just like, it was so dominant that like people at that point were like, well, hopefully it's just a good game. And then Denver upset Green Bay. And maybe, I don't know, maybe at that point, a new wave kind of happened where then all of a sudden the Super Bowl was kind of back. But for so long, it was just like, you just wanted to see a good game because the outcome yeah, kind of yeah, I mean, it was, it was here, here's the score starting in 84. And I know we're running out of time, but this is 38 to 16, 46 to 10, 39 to 20, 42 to 10, 20 to 16 was uh, 49ers Bengals in 89. Sorry, John Breach and Jim Breach, 55 to 10, 49ers Broncos, 20 to 19 was the Giants and the Bills um, in 1990, which I think is the Whitney Houston game. And then the yep. Park Bells and the kick, uh, 37 to 24, 52 to 17. And it should have been 52 to 10. Or no, it should have been 59 to 10, right? But Leon Lecca. It should have been 59 down. to 17. 59 yeah. to 17, that's Something right. Like that. 30 to 13, 49 to 26, 27 to 17, that game you're referencing. And then even, you know, the, the Patriots Parcells game, the loss to the Packers was not close. Like the, like Farvin and they blew him out 35 21. And then the next year was when, um, the AFC finally won one. And, uh, with the, with the John Elway, with the two back to back John Elway games. And then the greatest show on turf happened. Okay. It's a fun walk down uh, professional football history. Let us have our fun, Internet. All right, uh, Brian DiArto, awesome stuff. Uh, great stuff, dude. We'll, uh, we will talk to you again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Congratulations, too, on your guys' nomination. That's awesome. So, you appreciate you know, it. I think we've been nominated up. for a nomination. Is that right, Debo? <laughs> sounds about right. Sounds <laughs> keep, keep voting. Link is in the description. There you go. Check it out, folks. Appreciate it, DiArto. See you guys.